nerds, you're listening to an episode on the Nerdcore podcast feed. If you're feeling generous, please consider pledging to a tier on our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Nerdcore. We have tiers as low as $1 per month. Thanks so much, and enjoy the episode! Welcome back to the Nerdcore Podcast, the podcast that reviews movies and talks that nerd shit. This is episode 462. Holy crap. And we are here once again for another another episode of the Nerdcore Podcast. We are going to be starting our month here at the Nerdcore Podcast where we look at a director that we know little to nothing about and we explore four uh, of their films and one on the Patreon mini pod. And this month, we are taking a look at Japanese director Yasujiro Ozu. And, of course, is the Nerd Chicano here to host show. Lots my wonderful co-host, Yon Yoda. What's up, everybody? What's going on, man? What's up? I, I'm, You know, I'm just I'm kind of sad. Generally, we get to December, and uh, Mr. Aiden Burns joins us. And, you know, this time he's busy. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. He's busy. Yeah. Um, he just had to do like a, fo- a photo shoot for his friends who got uh, engaged. It was Amazing. a surprise engagement shoot. So, oh, wow. yeah, I, I look, man, I, I love well, I'm not hating. Like, I'm generally just, you know, I'm just generally, I wish he was here. Yeah, I know, man. I really wish he was here too because I think this is actually the first time we do it without him. Yeah, it's been, um, because when did we start this? Did we start this the first year? No, we started this the second year because yeah. Second, so wait, this hold is, on. Why why do we have to ask this? Like this is so why we, we have go a back freaking. To the, to the, this is why we have a letterbox, you know, yeah. with, with with all the with all the movies we've watched, you know. Like I I sit here trying to crack my brain right and being like, what was our first one? Was that Bergman? Was Bergman our first one? Bergman was first. Tarkovsky yeah. was second. Kiarostami was third, and now this is our fourth one. Oh, and wow. it's, I think we was did a year ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy, crazy right? It's crazy. Bergman um, was four. Then? Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, I'm guessing that this is the we started in year two, uh, yeah. phase two of the podcast. Yeah, it has to be because uh, we've only been we, this is our fourth time doing it. Uh, but here I will look, I will check this out. By the way, y'all, if you want to follow us on 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 Letterbox and you want to see every single movie that we've reviewed, um, as part of the like the continuity of the main show, you guys can go check it out on uh. The nerdcore on Letterbox, but um, we have let me see phase one. Or we did not do it in phase one, no, we did not. No, no, we started in phase two, yes. So we did in phase two, and we did we did what's it called? Uh, Bergman, yep, yeah, we did uh, Summer with Monica Persona, Through a Glass Darkly, Winter Light, and um. And I can't remember what was Patreon. That, that was a very good month of movies, by the way. Yeah. Like, Which, by the way, we are overdue a Bergman part two. Like, for sure. I, I think that we are definitely I mean, overdue. What are we on? Part... Kurosawa part four? I think we are on Kurosawa part Something. five. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Next will be part four, I think. But um, yeah. Uh, fourth month doing this, y'all. Fourth uh, time. It's one of our yearly uh, 
what's it called, uh, themes, and I enjoy it because one of the things I, I look forward to. Yeah, I get to enjoy being able to, you know, explore a new filmography from a filmmaker I know nothing to to little to nothing about, and uh, that's where I kind of stand with Yasujiro Ozu. I I have heard the name Ozu a thousand times, um, in film school. But specifically, you know, watching a, sh- a shit ton of videos from the uh, from the Criterion closets, a lot of Ozu's films are in the collection, and mm-hmm. everybody always talks about Ozu. And and I had never ever watched a single film from Ozu. Uh, the one I had constantly gotten uh, recommended was Tokyo Story. Tokyo Story was like, oh, that's his masterpiece. Like, watch it; it's an incredible film. And that's what uh, we were watching next, I believe. I believe so. Yes, yeah. that's what we do. Our, that's what we're doing next, and. Um, yeah, Brett, you had never heard about Ozu, right? Um, I've I had heard about like I didn't I don't know like anything about Ozu, but mm-hmm. being a Kurosawa fan, you always hear like different names thrown around. Ozu is one of them. It's just Ozu was before Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. Ozu, you you can't really consider them contemporaries because Kurosawa came like Ozu had done shit ton of movies way before Kurosawa came onto the scene. But oh, yeah. if this if this movie has anything to say, their style is completely different. Mm-hmm. And um, I really can't wait for somebody to choose uh, Ozu's films for Cinema Condition because from what I had been reading about this man's life, he lived a very, very interesting life. And uh, kind of in the way that, that Kurosawa met a lot of backlash from the, uh, current, from the Japanese directors at the time, Ozu had a bit of backlash as well. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I mean, his, his films, like just from this one, I can't I can't say his films, his film I've watched overtly sexual in a way. And Japanese culture, I can see um, back in the day, not well, probably even today, not being like full on engaged with that or yeah. in agreement with that, especially the government. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited and um, we are going to get we're going to be covering for the first film of this month. We are covering his 1959 film uh, Floating Weeds, which is a remake of his short film. Right. So, Brad. Yes. Read all two sentences. Read all two fucking sentences. (laughs) Really? Two sentences? It's two sentences. All right. Well, at least give us cinematographer and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll butcher these names. So. I apologize ahead of time, but uh, yeah, coming from our uh, our, our, our this is fifty nine, so we don't need to do a spoiler warning. No, yeah, fifty nine. Yeah, they know by now. Okay, uh, coming straight from Wikipedia, our one and only true source, "Floating Weeds" is a nineteen fifty nine Japanese drama directed by Yasuhiro Uzu, starring Nakamura, Ganhiro Tu, and Machiko Kiyo. It is a re- remake of Ozu's own black and white silent film a story of floating weeds made in 1934 how old did this man live to and considered one of the greatest films ever made um written by kogo noda uh yasuhiro ozu produced by masachi nagata um cinematography by kazuo miyagawa um yeah in 119 minutes and it does not have anything for box office because this was probably all just released in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, of course, I do have to bring up the thing I, I found on, on Twitter that I, what's it called, sent you. Because that that whole, like, tidbit of information. So, uh, 
Ozu and his screenwriter um, would, what's it called, F- felt that their screenplay wasn't um, ready or complete or good if they hadn't gone through a shit ton of sake by the end of writing the, the screenplay. I feel like me and you could do that, right? Something probably um half decent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I could probably do half decent because I'm not the one who drinks, and you would just be like through all of it. just throwing out random shit. Yeah, so like it's gonna be halfway decent, right? Yeah, because... half decent. <laughs> oh no, that's great. I read that and I just laughed my ass off, and I was like, that just sounds exactly how I picture it would go. But I um... mean, in watching this movie, yeah, I think I could see a good drinking session coming up with some of this dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you did you happen to catch the little rib at Kurosawa in this? When he asks, like, "What's your name?" He goes, "Toshiro." And, then he's like, and it's just like, Mifuni. I'm like, that was a troll before trolls. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh man. Um. I love. I love that. It was really funny. It was. Um, it was funny. Like, ah, I'll yeah. give him that. It was funny. Yeah. But Brad, you want to go ahead and give us your initial thoughts on? floating weeds um i thought it was good i thought like this is definitely not kurosawa style i'll say um and this I, i'll tell you i'll just tell everybody what i told you um told you in the in the dms uh this felt like a french film it's very stylized it's very colorful um the framing is great in this like the cinematography is like amazing in this like don't get me wrong it felt very French. Like there's a romantic part at, part as to it. There's like affairs in it. There's like scandal. It felt very much like a French film to me, but in a Japanese style. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I enjoyed it. it. I mean, do do I do I consider it better than Kurosawa's work? I don't. It's not really my my cup of tea technically, um, but it was good. Like yeah. I think I think people should watch this and enjoy this for what it is. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Stacy, have you seen this film? Because let's go. Spoiler: Kamajuro is was a ghost the whole time that only Haley Joel Osment could see. <laughs> um, I must preface this, and I I feel like we are probably going to bring up Kurosawa a lot this month, given that that is the one Japanese director that we have like studied extensively other than, here. Other than the the one. Um... Sort of Doom that we watched, yeah. which, which Sort of Doom is in its own kind of category of anime yeah. before anime. Yeah, and I feel like we're probably we're gonna bring it up a lot because, of course, he's the only one that we've studied extensively here. We've we've, yeah. we've given three months of this man. Um, but How also twelve, thirteen, because uh, we've we've watched more than the three months. Oh, remember, Brad? We had like one for for what's mm-hmm. it called? Uh, for International Film Month one time. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, so it, it's probably like thirteen. Yeah. yeah, we're probably at thirteen. Well, actually, I'm sorry, it's five. five what's it called? Fifteen films. What's it called? Because it's five for the month, so sixteen more than likely. But um, hi Kylie. Hello, Kylie. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I've never heard of uh, what's it called? But uh, hi, uh, it's floating weeds from Yasujiro Ozu. So I'm a, I also I'll preface that and uh and I bring and I'll bring up that man uh, I'll bring up Kurosawa not because I, I want to compare Kurosawa to Ozu because I think watching this I really think that we are going to be watching a very different side of Japanese cinema here. Yeah. Uh, this is very like he's very the, like 
the drama side and the very like because this is a family drama inside of it uh-huh. but um i think that uh, the only way that i can really bring myself to truly like kind of consume this is by by looking at what was being made at the time so you know this is during the time that you know a lot of uh kurosawa's other films are being made as well so i will say i really enjoyed this movie i i i for the first time watching a film from ozu i was not ready for how beautifully crafted this would be because those like the cinematography feels very personal in a way where it's like my my teacher was not kidding uh because he said that ozu's filmography feels very japanese in the way that it feels like you're literally sitting on the floor and you're looking like that because of how it's framed um and now having watched this and having watched, you know, films like Shoplifters from Hirokazu Koreda, I can see where Koreda gets a lot of his framing as well, because this is very reminiscent of that. Um, I really enjoy the story that we have here, and I like the family drama aspect. And like Brad said, there's a whole lot of like overtly like sexual kind of themes going on here that I really did not expect from what's it called uh, from a, a Japanese director at the time, you know especially, you know, if you think about Japanese culture and Japanese society at the time, especially the film industry, because I don't think we don't even get in the realm of the senses yet until like a decade later. So, um, yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think Kurosawa had like one kissing scene in yeah. one of the movies that we watched. <laughs> this, this was overtly like overtly sexual comparatively to um, Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, I just I keep I got to bring this up. I like the costumes in this. I yeah. fucking love the costumes in this. It is just so much color. And then when you come from like when your whole basis of Japanese cinema is Kurosawa, it's just black and white yeah. movies, really, other than Ron um, and Kagimusha. Like, like this is a very colorful film. And yeah. it is gorgeous. And it is nice that I, I love he did this in color. And I can't wait to see more of his color, uh, more of his films in color. Just because it's something like I don't usually get in Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me think of like, I wonder what Kurosawa's black and white films, like what were those that they couldn't have just been black and white. Like they yeah. must have had color to them. Well, you know, what's it called? The film stock is in what's it called? Uh, in, in, is, is black and white. But of course, I wonder how like it, it was, it, what's it called? Uh, I wonder what Kurosawa saw. When he was probably yeah. filming, like when he was filming Nikiru, I wonder what he saw, right? And or I, Rashomon, or yeah. But um, you know, this is beautiful, man. I'm like I told Brad, I I went to his DMs and I said, dude, this is a HD transfer. This has not gotten an updated restoration. And yes, uh, there are points in the movie where there's a little bit of like you know, what's it called, Film like green. little black spots and like little lines coming in and like yeah. the, like yes, this needs a cleanup. Um, and I think that that's what's from called? 1959. Yeah. So it's kind of that makes sense. What's it called? Uh, that's the thing, Brad. Kurosawa's first color film was in 1970. Mm-hmm. Like this man's, this isn't even his first color film. The first one was before this in 1958. So I'm just guessing, like, uh, how a lot of, you know, filmmakers just didn't want to make the jump to color. I guess they just were really no, comfortable. Or, or it might have been too expensive. Yeah. But this this really helped a lot being in color because it brings out a lot of the atmosphere. I love the shots outside and how that sky looks so beautifully, mm-hmm. you know, colored. 
and I really do think about how this would look on a on a like proper four uh, 4K digital restoration. Oh, it would look look uh, beautiful. It would yeah. look absolutely beautiful. Criterion, get on that. Yeah, please. Uh, I do know that there is a good amount of re- that they're starting to work on some restorations for Uzu, from what I had seen on the forums. That they're bringing some stuff to to restore soon. Um, people but are then, kind of but, speculating about a box set soon. But the, but the thing for that is Ozu's filmography stretches back into what the twenties or before, yeah. so it could be a number of movies that don't include yeah. this one because this one this one's already gorgeous. Like I would love to see it in four K, but I'm sure there's other movies like back in the day. Hell, I think he's lost movies. Yeah, he has some that are lost. But also remember, Brad, the, the farther you go back, the farther you have the greater probability of messing up the negative yeah. when you're when you're cleaning it up. Uh, that's yeah, kind of what I was what I was learning. What's it called with the restorations for the Fellini set is that they had to take supplemental negatives to, to fix the original negative because it was like on the verge of having there, the there is just something about like like if you were like Igiru, like they did a 4K restoration. Mm-hmm. Like just just handling that and not fucking that up. <laughs> yeah, because you fuck up the original negative, you ain't got anything. No, no. like no, and then then you're scum of the earth basically at that point. Some yeah. poor fucking intern. <laughs> yeah, it's why I think that we'll never get fucking what's it called the uh, 4K digital restorations of Tarkovsky because no. those negatives are are destroyed. Like some of those negatives are gone. Jesus. Like they don't exist anymore. Or you have to go to some Russian person in in Russia and check under their bed like that one. Now, uh, the now they could digitally remaster it, right? Like they don't have to go off negative. Yes. They could digitally remaster it. Yeah, but the best way to do it is to is go off the negative from the actual camera negative. Yeah, but um, which I they really will like... never like. They'll never do that with Tarkovsky. No, no, because <laughs> they have to find the, those the luck for... that man has. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even in I, death, I would still not yeah. chance. I it. think there's some that they do have access to, like Mirror. Obviously, they did because they did a 2K restoration of it, so they obviously still have the negative for that. But like stuff like Stalker, The Sacrifice, like I don't think they actually have the uh, negative for that. The, at least, <laughs> at least with stuff. Stalker, like even like Film Grain kind of adds to that film. Let's be real, yeah. here. like the way that yeah. film looks, Film Grain and any imperfections on that that just adds to that film. What up, Kelvin? Uh, but I like the uh, the performances within this movie, Brad. I think that our main yeah. characters are portrayed really well. I really like our main character, even though yes, main character is deadbeat. He's a yeah. Douche. What's it called? Uh, let's let's get that right right out of the way. This man's a deadbeat He's in every deadbeat. sense of the word. He he. he uh, although I do love how the the mom tried to explain it. Yeah. Explain it away to. He's a traveling actor. He's a drifter. And, yeah. And he was sending money. So you could go to school because he didn't want to see you following in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. So they try to explain it away, but it still doesn't take away that this dude basically left his his um, baby mama. Yeah. Uh, and then played the uncle. Would come around, I guess, to sex up baby mama and play as the uncle. Which got to yeah. be weird because all those walls are paper thin, literally. Yeah. And then also just I love how we kept reinforcing the idea that this house was small too. Like it kept being brought up, like, yo, this house is small. It's like, yeah, I think you need it to be that small, so that way you kind of, like, feel kind of trapped in here. Yeah, Because there you're are like, moments it felt really claustrophobic inside that house. And just the tension. It, like, Bill's attention. Like, you weren't kidding. Like, you feel like you're in that same room, and you're just sitting there going, ah, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't know but about at, this. 
but at the same time, <laughs> I kind of sympathize with this man because now that he's kind of come to his senses, he's trying to make up for lost time, and but he doesn't know how it. to, he doesn't know how to like overtly just come forward and be like, I'm your dad, son, and I really want to spend time with you and kind of fix my fuck ups. And I fucked up. Yeah, but then of course my girlfriend starts getting with you, and now I have to make sure that she breaks up with you, so that way you, this doesn't turn well, into. Well, was the younger one one of the girlfriends? Because the older one, yeah, was his girlfriend. The one that was traveling with her, I believe, in the in was the that another one? Is that another one of his girlfriends? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, but this uh, but he just kept slapping towards, the shit yeah. out of women in this movie. Well, even <laughs> even the son too, just in that one scene where he's with yeah. Her. And the I'm son's like, just like, motherfucker, you're not in this man's in this kid's life for most of most of the most of the and time. Then, and then he just pushes the old fuck on the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it just it's so what's it called? Uh, it's so hard to kind of watch this because, like, at the end, he kind of just falls back into the same thing, and he's just yeah. like, you know, I'm just I guess that. Maybe it's 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 the right thing to have my son realize that he doesn't actually want me in his life because I'm really, you know, not worth it anymore. Which, you know, that's probably not the most proper thing, but for this movie it it does kind of make sense. Like yeah. this dude hasn't been around and he's trying to force himself into their lives and the kid doesn't want it. Like yeah. I get that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he was going around these brothels, right? Like he was. Well, of course. Oh yeah, everybody was like mistress. everybody was going around these brothels. Yeah, I, I love the scenes with the the, the quote unquote the ugly, um, the ugly courtesan. Uh, yeah. Or geisha. I, I don't. I don't know how. I'm going with courtesan. Uh, courtesan, whatever. Uh, those scenes were funny, where like he just keeps drinking sake, and it's like, you're gonna need it. <laughs> You're gonna need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fantastic, man. Uh, but I think that uh the, the, the what's it called? The direction is really strong, the script is really strong here. I really like this, and I, I'm really interested because like we are kind of doing like a color film one week, a black and white film the other. A so color we film. get to see both worlds. Yeah, we kind of get to see both worlds, but I, as we're starting this month, I think that we picked out you picked out a pretty damn good movie to start the month with. I I, I mean it's it's beautiful, like the cinematography and the the yeah. costumes. I, the I that was too. the one thing that caught my eye. I'm just like, these costumes are like, be, oh like, yes, just um, the, like the, the zebra kimonos, print bro. kimonos, like beautiful. It, 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 and it was just on screen, and I'm just like, this is kind of French. It's like kind of French, like the whole, you know, bright colors in a way. Yeah. Um. So. I, I mean I enjoyed this film. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I mean it's it to me it it doesn't quite match up to you know what Kurosawa yeah. did, but it's like apple and apples and I, oranges really. And like I was reading that he said that he didn't base his like style off of anybody. Like he kind of created his own style. But like of course I can't help but feel like he was he was watching like some of the French New Wave stuff that was coming in yeah. because of course remember there was that period where Japan wasn't getting shit right. And then it was like that part where, you know, they kind of let the doors open a bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a bunch of media started to flow in and a bunch of films from what's it called from France and, and, and you know, a bunch of Bergman started to kind of flow into to, uh, to Japan. And, you know, they were able to see that stuff. So like part of me thinks like 
he was watching a bit of that French New Wave stuff, but you well, know, and, of course, still incorporating it into his own personal style. And you think about it, this was only 14 years after the end of World War II. Yeah. So, you know, and during that time, you had the whole Japanese, what, censures? Yeah, the censure is on because I remember reading Kurosawa's book, and he just fucking hated that shit. So he was so <laughs> glad when the Americans came in and did away with that. But mm-hmm. you had the censures in there for a while, and then you're right, it was like floodgates opened, and just cinema and just media from everywhere came into Japan and totally, I think, yeah, just changed the culture or added yeah. to it. And of course, what's it called? Uh, people uh, kind of uh, Western scholars kind of kind of put them into this like movement they called a uh, shomengeki. Um, and it says that it's like, what's it called? Uh, it's a kind of realist films that focus on the everyday lives of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna, I'm really interested. Um, I do love these like very like personal, what's it called? Uh, family dramas. So I'm really, really interested to see kind of where we go from here. But I'm going to go ahead and give Floating Weeds an eight and a half out of ten. I'm starting strong. I really like this movie. And I'm actually really interested to see the movie that this is adapting from his yeah, uh, the, early the movie. The silent film. Yeah. It is really tough for me to watch silent films, though. I have expressed that because you have to kind of like read it at the same time. And it's like, yeah, it's really tough. And sometimes those silent films are actually kind of long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Metropolis. Metropolis is long as fuck, bro. But it's also a silent film. But um, yeah, Brad, what are you going to go ahead and give Floating Weeds? I think we're in agreement. Um, I'm going to give eight and a half out of ten to Floating Weeds. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really happy that we started it off. Y'all, this is, this was awesome. Uh, I really am interested to see kind of where we go from here because uh, this is only going to get uh, hopefully better. And it's going to be interesting to see how different his filmography is compared to the other Japanese directors, mm-hmm. at least that I've watched because I've, I've, I've watched like, I watched a handful at this point, I think, but of course, we want to thank you all so much for joining us today. And we want to thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. If you are a patron, we thank you, especially because you are the reason these shows happen. So to become a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash nerdcore and sign up for a tier starting at $1 or, you know, more if you want to. Uh, we want to thank our wonderful producers and our writers. I want to thank our associate producer, Sarah, thank you for being an associate producer for so long. And I want to thank our wonderful executive producer, Shane. You can follow our friend Shane at twitch.tv slash XSRK or on Twitter at XSRK underscore. Awesome. And go go buy something from the, the sub at thriftedio.com. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna just drop by that store on uh what's it called? On a uh just on no notice. And just, and be just like, show up to Shane's place. Up. Where's my like, Alfred Hitchcock shirt, you son of a bitch? You say you were gonna sell, sell it to me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't. Maybe don't start off so strong. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, hey, I'm looking for an Alfred Hitchcock shirt, and I'm gonna go. I've come to collect my fucking shirt. You ass. And Shane's gonna be like, I've been paying you fucking how much? Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars for how many years now? Every month. Well, the thing is, like Shane said, this is for Raul. This is the only person who deserves a shirt. And then I asked him, like, "Hey, man, I got money now. You want to tell me where my shirt is?" And it's like, "Oh, dude, I don't know where the fuck that thing is." <laughs> it's gone. It's gone yeah, but, into the um, great beyond. Yeah. Um. Thank you to Shane and also our writer Tony. Hey, Tony. At Real Nerdy Dad on, it's on Twitter, and uh, yeah. 
thank you all so much for joining us. This week is going to look a little weird, my friends. Um, I am in the process of what's it called moving now, and what's it called? I'm kind. I'm going to ship this PC out, hopefully to, to my new place. Ship it. And uh, but tomorrow we're not going to be here because uh, we have nothing to do tomorrow. But on Wednesday we will be doing our Patreon commentary of Back to the Future. So for a pay to get that to get access to that, you have to go become a Patreon supporter at the one dollar tier. And then on Thursday, Keong will be doing a uh, Gamer Core watch along of the Game Awards. That would be cool. And uh, Friday through Sunday, we will see what goes down. Uh, but uh, yeah, I am excited to kind of uh, see where we all go right now from to go how this is going to look once I have to send my PC out. Um, I promise the quality on my laptop isn't as great as the quality on here. So, uh, Sorry, y'all. If it's gonna if it's gonna look a lot weirder, or if this is even gonna work, because if I can't even get that shit to work on my on my laptop, uh, you guys are not gonna hear for us for like two weeks. Or I might just have to what's it called? Uh, come on my phone, from my <laughs> phone. I, I I can attach my what's it called? Uh, my my lav mic. Oh wait, no, yeah, I can. I can attach my lav mic and I can be on my phone and put it yeah. like right here. But um, sure, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> but we'll see, y'all. These are hiccups, but I promise that in 2022, everything will be back to normal and we'll be good to go. But I am excited to see where we go. Brad watched The Eternals, so we'll be doing that next week. Uh, our review of The Eternals will be next week. And, of course, it's been a wonderful time. We'll see you all on the next one. Brad, send them out. All right, Ron. Thank you for being host as always. Thank you to all those who joined us in chat today. Uh, thank you to all our listeners out there, all our Patreon supporters. We appreciate each and every one of you. And to end this episode, all I've got to say is go buy a bottle of Cholula. Young Yoda out.